Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, good morning, Wildwood. Uh, what you just saw is a, a representation of John chapter 8, 31 through 36, some verses that we're going to look at a little more in depth here in just a moment. But before we do that, um, I want to just acknowledge that today is a special day, not just because of its placement on the calendar and in the celebrations that are going to happen this weekend, but because today is an all-in Sunday. That means for us that there are several in this room that this may be your first time to join us for an early uh, for, for a Sunday morning worship service, uh, because normally we have children's programming going on in our children's building, and that's exciting, but today we've invited everybody in. And so there are some here who are maybe 12 years old and under, those who are entering the, the sixth grade and under, that this may be one of your first times or your first time to join us. And so if that describes you, if you are entering the sixth grade or younger, would you all just take a second and stand up? I want to I I see you. Awesome. Awesome. Keep standing for a second. And, and I want your eyes on me for just a second. Because here's what I want to do. I want to say welcome. I am so, so glad that you are here today. Um, because this moment is a moment not just for adults. This moment is a moment for each and every one of us. And I am so thankful that you're here today for the chance that we all have to worship God and to look into his word together. And so you all can be seated. I'm excited that you're here. Now, as you gather and as you think about that, I want you to think about this again for those who are under 12 and really those of us who are over 12 too, I want you to think about this. How many of you have ever played a game that on the side of that game, it had an age limit on it? And it said something like, this game is for those seven and up or this game is for those 12 and over or maybe it's a Lego set. And you've got a Lego set that says this Lego set is for those, you know, 12 and over. And you, you have some of those things in your house. Well, here's what I want you to know. This book, there are no numbers on the outside of this that say that this book is only for those 12 and up. This book is for all of us. That's why when you gather in children's ministry, we're opening this book and we're reading it together. When you come to VBS, we're opening this book and we're reading it together. And when we gather right now, we're opening this book and we're reading it together. So this may be one of your first times here, but guess what? Um, we're doing the same thing. We're looking at God's word. We're worshiping him and we're finding out what God has for us this morning. And so I'm excited for us to look at that together. Now, as we look at that, I, I wanna just, just mention the, the obvious thing, and that is that this is the 4th of July weekend. Um, and this is a weekend of celebrations. A number of you will celebrate in some way. You'll either, you know, w either watch fireworks on TV, you'll go to the park, you'll gather with friends, you'll have a cookout, you'll have a picnic. Um, this is a big weekend. It's the 4th of July weekend. But here's the thing, and again, I need some help from those who are under 12. Um, raise your hand if you know what the 4th of July is all about from somebody under 12. Yeah, what's the 4th of July about? Very good. It's about our independence. That's outstanding, by the way. It's about our independence from England. You know, it was, it was 240 years ago that uh, we, our, our government got together and they wrote this declaration of independence that was delivered to the king of England that said that the American colonies were free from the rule of England. It, it, as, you, as you were, it's kind of, we were the first Brexit 
okay? Um, it, it happened here before it happened there, okay? And so we walked away from England 240 years ago. And America, from the very beginning, has had in our DNA this idea of freedom. We love freedom. We're freedom junkies. We have a Declaration of Independence. It's one of our most impressive documents, our founding document. We have a, a constitution that, that protects freedoms. We have a, a Bill of Rights that enumerates freedoms. We send soldiers to the battlefield to defend our freedom and even to provide for freedom for people in other countries. America is a place that loves freedom. And on the 4th of July, we, we talk a lot about that. But here's the thing, as we gather here in this place on this day, I, I don't want us to just to talk about a political freedom that our country has or is pursuing. Today, I want us to talk about freedom from a Christian perspective. I want to talk about the freedom that Jesus Christ offers to you and me. And this is a freedom that endures longer than 240 years. It's a freedom that is offered to us for all eternity. And since we are Americans and since we are freedom junkies, we should be excited about this message because Jesus talks about a freedom that endures. And so today as we gather, we're going to be talking about freedom and dependence from the book of John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. So I'm going to read these verses for us, and then we will back up and see four things from these verses about freedom that I hope will be an encouragement to you as we gather today. John chapter 8, verse 31 goes like this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, in these few verses today, we're going to see four things about the freedom that Christ offers to us. The first thing we're going to see is this, two words, stay free, stay free. Now, we see this in verses 31 and 32. As Jesus begins this conversation about the freedom that he offers, he's going to talk about staying and he's going to talk about freedom. Jesus wanted these folks to know that freedom came by staying with him. Now, we see this in the beginning of verse 31 as it says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. This is an inclination of who Jesus was talking to. Now, what did that mean, those who had believed him? Now, biblical scholars are split on this. Some see this as a group of people who had come to faith in Christ and saw him as the Messiah and Lord, but, but others see this merely as those who were kind of leaning in towards Christ. Given what some of their beliefs were and some of their understanding was that we see throughout the context of this section, I kind of lean in that direction, that these were not people who had a saving relationship with Christ, but they were people who were interested in what Jesus had to say. We might think of it this way, uh, if Jesus was like a store 
These were people who had driven into the parking lot and were circling around with their windows down to listen to what he had to say. But they had not yet parked and gone in to enjoy fellowship with Jesus. Does that make sense? They were around him, though they hadn't fully embraced him. So Jesus is talking here to people who were interested in what he had to say. Now, I, because I say that because it's relevant for us as we gather in this room, right? We are people who are interested in what Jesus had to say. I mean, think about it. You got up on a holiday weekend to come here today to sing songs and to look into God's word. You are people at the very least who are interested in what Jesus has to say in all different levels. For some, Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, and you're here today enthusiastically worshiping him. For others, you're, you're somebody that is just kind of driving through the parking lot of faith. You're, you're interested, you're curious, you're seeking something about him, or, or even you were just drugged here by somebody else who said, you're coming with me today. You're staying with us for the 4th of July, you're coming here today. But for some reason, you're here. For some reason, you're leaning in. And for those of us who are gathered around Christ, he, he speaks, and he speaks to this issue of freedom. Look at what he says in verse 31. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus here talks about freedom. He talks about a, a spiritual freedom that is available to people, and that freedom comes by staying or by remaining or by the translation of my Bible here, abiding with Christ. In other words, as, as we lean into Christ, as we park our car and get out and go in and have fellowship with him and listen to what he says and, and follow what he says as the authority in our life, as, as we abide in the word of Christ, then we have an experience of freedom. He says that, that staying or abiding is, is really the mark of a disciple. You will know that you're a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, if you are remaining, staying, abiding in his word and what he says. And there's freedom that comes from that. Now, sometimes when we think of freedom, we think of freedom as uh, the removal of all rules. Freedom is the ability to do whatever we want to do. But the reality is when we do whatever we want to do, we sometimes find ourselves bound by other things, don't we? And what Jesus was saying was the freedom that is found in him is a, is a true freedom that allows us to live the life that we were created to live. It allows us to get where we were intended to go. It allows us to live in a relationship that we were created for, in relationship with the God of the universe. See, abiding or remaining with Christ leads to that kind of a freedom. I'll give you a, an example from my own life. Some of you heard me tell this story before, but for whatever reason, it's burned in my head. And so when I think of this idea, I think of it often. But back in college, I had a chance to go on a ski trip um, to Crested Butte, Colorado. Now, I'd never been to Crested Butte before. Um, but I was going there with some friends, and, and I was driving. And so I go out and I get in my 1986 Honda Prelude. You're jealous, I know. And, and I get in my Honda Prelude, and I take off, and I'm going to drive to Crested Butte, but I don't know the way. I don't even have a map. 
But what I have is a friend in front of me who knew the truth. He knew the way. He had driven many times to Crested Butte, and he said, just follow me and we'll get there. And that's what I did for the next 11 and a half hours is I followed my friend. Where he went, I went, and eventually we got where we were headed. Now, I could have said at some point along the way, I am tired of following Todd. I'm tired of following my friend. And I could have pulled off and had freedom to drive in another direction. But if I had done that, I would soon have become a slave to my limited knowledge because I didn't know how to get there, and I would have ended up lost. In order for me to experience the freedom of Crested Butte, I had to follow the way of my friend. And that's really what Christ is saying here, is he's saying that because he is the truth. Remember what Jesus says later on to his followers in, in, in the book of John. He says, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. Jesus says that the way to life is through him who is the truth. And so we find that freedom in life is found by staying with Christ, by abiding with Christ. And in so doing, we find freedom. Well, what are the freedoms that we find in Christ? There's a number of them that are mentioned in the, in the Scriptures. I look at what some of them are. One of the freedoms that we find in Christ is freedom from our earthly enemies, Zechariah chapters 12 through 14 talks about the second coming of Christ. One day Jesus will return to this earth, and when he does, the earthly enemies of God's people will be dealt with severely. There's a freedom that we can have from having to get revenge for everything ever wrong done to us, knowing that, that God is sovereign and in charge, knowing that he will make good on his promises one day. There's a, a freedom from earthly enemies. There's also freedom from a spiritual enemy, the devil, Satan. 1 John 5, 18 talks about that. There's a freedom from our spiritual enemy. There's a, there's a freedom from condemnation that Jesus provides. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, our sin requires judgment from God, but in Christ we are protected from that judgment. We're free from his condemnation. In, in Christ, we have freedom from ignorance. Uh, John chapter 8, in verse 12, talks about Jesus as the light of the world. He illuminates things around us so that we do not have to be ignorant of the plans of God. What a blessing and freedom we have in Christ, having the freedom to not be ignorant, to see truth. We have, we have freedom from, from sin in Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, talking there even to Christians that sin wants to enslave us, but we can be free in Christ from sin's necessary rule. In Christ, we can have freedom from death. John chapter 8, verse 51 talks about freedom from death. John 3.16 would be another good verse there. Those who believe in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. You guys have read this book. See, in Christ, there's, there's freedom that is offered to us. And freedom comes by staying, remaining, or abiding with Christ. But here's what's interesting. When, when Jesus makes this declaration and he, and he talks about this, 
the initial reaction of this group of people who were interested in Christ was, that's nice, but we don't really need that. It's as if they said this, free? Really? We don't need that, was somewhat what they said. Verse 33 says it this way. It says, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They said, we don't really need freedom, Jesus. Now, when you hear that, and knowing that these were Jewish people, people from the nation of Israel, from that background, um, this is kind of a funny comment for them to make, isn't it? I mean, they said, we're children of Abraham. We have never been a slave to anybody. But is that true? How many times were the children of Israel slaves of another nation? Keep counting. Keep counting. Seven times. Just up to this point. And not only was it a part of their distant past, but it was their current experience. Because the nation of Israel in the first century was dominated under the the ruling thumb of Rome. So when we see this, we think that is the most naive, misguided statement ever. Of course, you know what it means to be a slave. You're subservient to Rome even right now as we speak. And so sometimes when we read this, we think that maybe they were just suffering from amnesia as a people. But I don't think that's necessarily what they meant. I don't think they were talking about their political independence. As a matter of fact, most Jews in the first century, what they really wanted was a political savior. They wanted somebody to kick the Romans out and set things right. But they got a sense as Jesus was talking that he was not talking about a political freedom, but he was talking about a spiritual freedom. And they felt like in that conversation, they were on much firmer ground. It's as if they, they, were, they were saying to Jesus, hey, it's great that you're talking about spiritual freedom, but we don't need that. We're Abraham's kids. We are the ones who have the right religion. We have the right book. We worship in a building whose architect was God. I don't know if you know that. It's back in Exodus. We'll go back and read it sometime. God told us what to build, and we built it. The kings of our people, they were kings that God set aside. We're people of great privilege. We're people of great prominence. We're people with the right pedigree. We have been spiritual slaves to no one is really kind of what they were saying. So thanks for offering us a spiritual freedom, Jesus, but you're going to have to offer it to somebody who actually needs it. We don't need it. We're fine on our own, with our own religion, with our own practice. In this way, they're driving through the parking lot with the windows rolled down, not really wanting to park and accept all of what Jesus was offering. Now, when you hear that, it's easy for us to to kind of scoff and laugh and, and feel like, man, they just really missed it. But the reality is so many of us suffer from the same experience. So many of us, when we hear about the freedom that is offered to us in Christ, go, oh, that's nice, but no thanks. That's nice, Jesus, but I don't really need that. That's nice, but maybe that could be good for some people who have this going on in their life, but not for me. That, that, that's nice for, for those who are in the 12-step program, but it's not really what I'm all about. 
I'm going to stand on my own two feet with my own strength. And in a way, so many of us go before God and we say, you know, God, I don't need your freedom because of my pedigree, because of my personality, because of my position. I don't need you. And you know what? That's not just an abstract idea. That's, that's something that was part of my story. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I grew up as a person that did not really feel like I needed a Savior. I grew up inside of a church, not every moment, but often. If the church was open, we were typically there. Sundays, activities, I went through a, a confirmation class. Uh, some of you were just finished third grade, maybe went through Foundations of Faith or, or something like that here at Wildwood. It was confirmation at my church growing up. I went to this, this class. I grew up around the things of God. If there was a VBS week, I was there. There was an opportunity to be inside the church, I was there. And so because of that, I began to think that, you know what, I'm okay with God because of me, because of my position as a Robinson and a member of this congregation, because of my pedigree that my family put a label of Christian over the top of us, and that's who we were. Because of my personality, I was generally a pretty nice guy. I tried my best. My teachers thought that I was okay from time to time. And many times there's a temptation for us to feel like, you know what, Jesus, it's great that you're offering this freedom, but I don't really need it because of me. That was the case of the Jews, it was the case of me. And I remember very distinctly my sister uh, going off to college and going on a summer project with Campus Crusade for Christ and, and coming back from that project, had a very short window between returning from project and going off to back to the University of Arkansas to go to school and sitting me down and sharing with me that I was a sinner and I was separated from God. And that my only hope for eternity was to embrace Jesus and the freedom that he offered. And by professing my faith in him, I could have an everlasting relationship with God. And I remember my sister sharing with me this brief presentation, and I remember hearing that as a 15-year-old guy, a 16-year-old guy, and, and going, you know, wow. I remember saying these words to her. She asked me, have you, uh, Mark, ever professed your faith and trust in Christ? Do you understand any of this? And I remember saying to her, um, oh, absolutely. I get that. I've done that. I mean, no way was I going to admit that my pedigree was wrong. Or that I wasn't good. Oh, absolutely, I know what you're talking about. But I remember when she left, I was just kind of puzzled, thinking, that's interesting, but I don't really need that, do I? And so many of us, and maybe even some of you here in this room, as we talk about the freedom that is offered in Christ, we make a statement similar to the Jews in John 8 and say, that's interesting, Jesus, but I don't really need it. That was me and... August of 1989, is it you today? Are you saying free, really? The third thing we see in this conversation is that Jesus articulates their need by reminding them that they are slaves to sin. He reminds them that they are slaves to sin. We see this in verse 34. Jesus answered them and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. What Jesus is talking about is their need for freedom, our need for freedom. And he says that those of us who practice sin are slaves to sin. Now, the arrangement of this grammatically is such of a progressive form of this 
word, sin. It's the idea of continuing to practice sin, of living habitually in a cycle of sin. That if we find ourselves sinning because in, in, a, in a cyclical way, we find ourselves a slave to sin. If we have no ability to say no to this, but we continue to do something, even if we don't want to do it, we find ourselves enslaved to that sin. Now, when we, we think about what, what Jesus is saying here, uh, in part, I think he's referring to the ultimate consequence of sin. And under that understanding, it's as if Jesus was saying, when you sin, if you've ever sinned, you are a slave to sin, and that that sin has a consequence or a, a payoff, a wage, as Romans 6.23 would tell us, of death or separation from God. In other words, because of our sin, that there is a separation from God that occurs, and we are enslaved. We are chained to that on our own. There's nothing we can do to get away from it. We might feel like we've got all this freedom to sin, but we cannot get away from sin's ultimate consequence. I'll give you an illustration to maybe help nail that down a little bit more in your, in your brain. If I told you today that I have the ability to fly, I have the freedom to fly, not in a plane or a helicopter or with a device of some kind, but just on my own, I have the ability to fly. And I were to be able to arrange a situation where I could go up in an airplane and I could jump out. In jumping out of that airplane, I could demonstrate my freedom to, to try to fly. But you know what would happen the moment I left the airplane? I would go from being free to fly to being a slave to gravity. And I would fall like a rock to disastrous consequences. In the same way, many times we feel like we have this freedom to sin. There are things that are attractive to us. We want to do them. We lean into sin. And this is true, by the way, no matter what your age is. Whether you're in here and you're four years old or whether you're in here and you're 40 years old or you're 80 years old and you're in this room, there are sinful things that are attractive to us that we think that we want to do. We think we want to demonstrate some freedom or some liberty to, to walk into an area of sin. We think we want to lie. We think we want to deceive. We think we want to steal. But when we step into that and we, we demonstrate our freedom to sin, immediately we become a slave to the consequence of that sin, which is death. Sin takes over and we're left with its consequence. On our own and our own strength and our own power, that's the ultimate consequence of sin. And on our own, we cannot get away from that. Jesus is referring to that, I believe, here. But he's also referring to the freedom um, that we, when we, we exhibit our freedom to sin, then we become a slave to sin and we keep doing that sin. Let me give you an example. And again, I don't care what your age is. This applies to you. I'll pick a sin that probably everybody in this room has committed, and that's the sin of lying. What happens when you lie? I'll tell you what happens. You tell another lie. What happens when you tell the second lie? You tell a third lie. Why is that? Because you tell these stories to protect the story, to protect the story, and pretty soon you find yourself enslaved to a world of lies. That's all that you can say of those lies. 
you know, all kinds of sin in our life is like that. We have the initial sin, but eventually we would get so deep into it. We were doing our whole lives, we're arranging our whole lives and our thought life and all of our energy to protect that sin. We are a servant, a slave to that sin. We would have never wanted that for our lives, but we look up and sin has got us obeying it to protect that affair, to protect that addiction, to protect that lie. It is exhausting and it leads to death. And here's the thing, though our, slave, though our sin wants to lead us to slavery, Jesus has offered us freedom. If you're here today and I'm walking through that and you know the particulars of your life and you're running through that grid and you feel like you're chained to that moment, guess what, friends? Jesus kept talking. He said, not just that we are slaves to sin, but there is a hope. And that hope for freedom is found in the Son. He says this in verses 35 and 36. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, these words are are somewhat difficult for us to understand and it's hard for us. What's he talking about with the slave and the son and all this stuff? But I think really this this is the big idea. We can zoom in on this. I think the big idea that he's getting at is that the, the Jewish people felt like they were okay before God no matter what they did. And regardless of belief or unbelief, they felt like they were good just because of who they were. But Jesus wanted to remind them that their seat at the table of God's blessing was not secure. Now, in a macro sense, it was. God made promises to Israel that he would eventually fulfill. And if you've been a part of our worship services this summer, we've even been talking about that from Romans 9, 10, and 11. But the experience of individual Jewish people was their connection to God's blessing was tied to their obedience and tied to their faith. And insofar as they rejected God, insofar as they rejected his provision, insofar as they did not persist in faith, they found themselves separated from him. But what is is happening here in these two verses is that Jesus says, but there is one who has a permanent seat at the table of God's blessing. There is one who has a permanent place within God's household, and that person is the son of God. That person is Jesus himself. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, guess what? I will set you up in freedom forever. The way out of the prison of our sin is found in Christ, who can separate us not only from the ultimate consequence of our sin, but also can make it possible for us to break the cycle of sins that we commit on a regular basis. Jesus points us back and says, stay and remain with me, and I will make it possible for you to have a connection with God that goes on forever. Freedom, friends, is found Independence upon the Son. Now, I mentioned my story. My sister shares with me of, of my need. Really, she didn't use this word, but she said, Mark, you're a slave to sin. And I didn't get it. I said, I don't really need that. But over the next several months, God broke through my hard heart 
It helped me to realize that my only hope for eternity was found in the Son. And God gave me faith to believe in him. And I'm saved today, not because I'm smarter or better or came from the right family. I'm saved today because God was gracious to me. And if you're here today and you have never placed your faith and trust in Christ, know this, there is freedom available to you through Christ, regardless of your age. Remember, there's no, there's no ages on here. It's for all of us. There is hope for forgiveness there is hope for freedom, and that hope is found in Jesus Christ. Now, as we wrap up our time, um, I was just thinking about this passage, thinking about the freedom that Christ provides, and, and one of the things I, I thought about was how freedom isn't free, how that is something that's true spiritually. We'll see that in a moment, but it's also something that is true even in our, in our country. And I thought about my, my friend, Doug Anderson, Doug and his family have been a part of Wildwood for a number of years, and I thought about his experience in serving our country in the Air Force. And so I, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time with Doug talking about this idea of freedom being free. And so I went up and spent some time with Doug earlier this week. Let's take a look. Well, hey, I'm here with Doug right outside of Tinker Air Force Base one of the largest Air Force bases in the United States and actually just a neighbor of Wildwood, just to our north. A number of you probably work there at Tinker every single day. We made the trip up here today because I really wanted to talk to Doug. Doug and his family have been a long time part of Wildwood. Uh, it's been a great experience for us to be a part of the same church family together. Uh, but what everybody may not know is that you also have spent a large section of your life uh, serving in the United States Air Force, uh, major in the United States Air Force. So tell us a little bit about your experience, Doug, in, in, in the Air Force. Okay. Well, um, like you said, 24 years, and um, almost half of that was spent overseas in various locations, and um, sometimes without my family or my children, of course, uh, as I had to go to, on deployments. But uh, obviously it was a, a, a career I chose, and I enjoyed it for that. Well, Doug, it's a privilege to talk to you here today. As we are gathered at Wildwood, we're talking about freedom, about the freedom that we have in Christ. But one of the things that we see in this section of the Gospel of John is that freedom isn't free. And I know that's also true for our country. Freedom isn't free. Maybe comment a little bit about that from your perspective. Well, it is a phrase we hear a lot, freedom isn't free, but sometimes maybe we don't understand the significance of, of what that mean, means uh, both today because people are still dying overseas for for uh, the combat actions that we're involved with and but more importantly all throughout our history people have um, laid down their lives for um, both in military and non-military actions. Stuck here Fourth of July weekend we're celebrating the founding of our country. One of the foundational documents is the Declaration of Independence, which talks a lot about freedom. It's a part of the DNA of America from the very beginning. Maybe share a little bit about that from your perspective. Yeah. Well, my favorite part of the uh, Declaration of Independence is the second paragraph where it says, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I just think it's important that we uh, remember those words because it speaks to the Founding Fathers recognizing that our rights, um, of which liberty is one of them, um, come from God and not from man or government. 
Well, 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 Doug, on behalf of Wildwood and on behalf of really a citizen of the United States, I, I just want to thank you for your service and your sacrifice. Um, we've experienced blessings and benefits every day of our lives in this country because of people like you. Um, and uh, we're just very thankful for that. So thank you for your service. Thank you. You know, one, one thing that's really cool to add to that, and Joe sitting here is his dad. Um, we filmed that on Friday. Uh, Doug, after 24 years, uh, had his last official day with the Air Force um, on Thursday. And so, um, anyway, very, very thankful for that. But one of the things that, that just comes out so clear as he, as he talks is the sacrifice. Over, you know, 10 years of his experience in the military was spent overseas um, sacrificing in this, this price of freedom. And you know, that goes all the way back to our founding fathers, this mentality of sacrificing for freedom. And Patrick Henry famously said, give me liberty or give me death. Uh, but in, in our conversation, Doug brought this up as such a great point. He said it was Patrick Henry that said, give me liberty or give me death. But it was Jesus who said, um, I will give you liberty through death. And it was through Jesus' death for us that he paid the price so that our freedom could be free to us. Um, and so, so thankful for that. And if you're here today and you have never placed your faith and trust in Christ, um, you could do so even now as we pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship today. And thank you for the truth of your word. And thank you for the freedom that you offer us in Christ. Father, I, I pray for each of us in this room that we would not reject your offer of freedom, but we would recognize our need and we would trust in Jesus. Father, and that can begin right now in this moment by someone just believing in their heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that you raised him from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather and to worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to stand. And we're going to end the service with a very upbeat song. And those of you who are part of our VBS will recognize this is the band that led us in VBS. This is one of the songs that we sang. So join us as we sing of our freedom as we end today.